This is Donna Gates with Body Ecology Living. Thank you for joining us today. My guest today is a digestive health expert and a long, long time friend, Brenda Watson. And Brenda's been on the scene like me for over 20 years, and we've uh, both been all about digestion, and she just right there in the forefront all the time, just doing amazing things. She's had several PBS specials already. She's had a New York Times bestseller, the Fiber 35 Diet, and she's just one of the most amazing people I know of. Watched her for years go and go and go and be there for people. She just shows up anywhere she can to help people have a better life. So when she told me that she was writing her new book called The Skinny Gut Diet, I was really excited because um, there's a lot of interesting research lately on what's happening in the gut and why we have the problem of obesity today. So that's what we're going to dig into uh, and so I'd like to welcome my guest, Brenda Watson. Thank you, Donna. So nice to talk to you. And yes, we've been friends and, and on the same path for over 20 years. And, you know, it's really funny when you, you know, I've done some of these podcasts recently or, you know, whatever interviews with people. And, and I know you do the same thing where they, you know, the gut thing now is sort of popular. And I started thinking, wow, I did my first, I think, class on leaky gut in 95, 1995. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, and you too. And, and, and we're like, we're just like, oh, I mean, it's so, it, to us, I know it must seem to you, like it seems to me sometimes is like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that it's now more, I guess you could say awareness and popular and all that. But it's been a long road, uh, and and when we first started, both you and I, we were weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And I'm guessing we also told people that they need to go through a period of time of therapy where they clean out their gut so that they can restore a healthy inner ecosystem. And um, and you know, imagine how Bernard Jensen must think because a long time ago he was telling people about the gut. And uh, it was just a tiny group of people that got a little more popular when we came along, but now it is so hot. I think it's the hottest thing out there. And, and scientists all over the world are all in agreement that you got to have a healthy gut. And so when the first um, research started showing up about the connection between gut and obesity, that was quite a surprise, wasn't it? And I mean, can you mm-hmm. tell everybody the beginning of that research and, and how it all came well, about? Well, the first, well, as you know, that what's kind of, I think, started a lot of it was when the National Institutes of Health started to fund scientists and universities to study the human microbiome. I mean, that, that you know, you know, Don, as well as I do, when money starts going to universities and scientists and to study something, then they become excited and they have money for research. The first research that started was in 2004 with Dr. Jeffrey Gordon at the St. Louis University uh, I mean, University of St. Louis, and he's the first one that, you know, implanted the um, bacteria from overweight mice into lean mice and saw that even though they ate the same diet, that they the, the lean mice became obese. And so that was kind of the beginning of the weight kind of connection there was in 2004. Now, that's 10 years ago, so that's a long time. And then uh, you know, as you know, the evolution of probiotics and gut health started moving along. And then um, what, you know, I think, you know, like I said I, earlier in, in, in looking at the book started, you know, 
investigating and talking to some of these researchers who were doing uh, probiotics or gut bacteria in relationship to mood and, you know, um, uh, depression, anxiety, and all of these other things are now studying. But the weight thing came about in mice, of course. And then eventually, of course, once something starts in animal studies, they take it to human studies. And what first, I guess, hit me um, about it was when I went in July of 13, um, my husband Stan enticed me, I did not want to go, uh, to go to the New York Academy of the Sciences to a symposium on probiotics in which microbiologists from all over the world were presenting papers. And I'm like, I don't really want to go because I'm not a microbiologist and it's really complicated when they present. I, I, you know that, Donna. And you do travel constantly, so yeah, why do you want so to go to yeah, something that you I don't, know, you're not I didn't in. really want to go, but you know what? I did go. And so what I gleaned out of that conference was a couple of really good presentations on two. One thing was the relationship between antibiotic overusage and obesity epidemic in the United States, which was really clear when you looked at the two different maps of uh, the amount of, of antibiotics prescribed in a state, and then you looked at the obesity in that state, and they matched exactly. That was unbelievable to me. And then a couple of presentations in which they had looked at the um, microflora, microbiota in the gut and in weight loss in humans. So as I left that symposium in July, I thought, well, the research, some of the research is there, and the research changes all the time, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't see have someone say, well, there's been a study that says this didn't work. So, you know, that there isn't, you know, a, a correlation be, between bacteroidetes and firmicutes, which I call the bacteroidetes, the B-skinny bacteria, and the firmicutes, the fat bacteria, and that makes it simple for people to understand. Yeah. But when I came back in July of 13, I, 13 and, you know, because I do stool, I still do a lot of stool testing through uh, Metametrics and Genova, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to take a group of people, 10 people or 15 people, whoever I could kind of gather around who were overweight, um, uh, needed to lose at least over 20 pounds, do a baseline stool test on them, see where their adiposity bacteria was, the fat bacteria and the B-skinny bacteria. Plus, as you well know, a, a metametrics test gives a lot of other information. It gives digestion inflammation. Where's their good bacteria like lactobacillus and bifidobacteria? So you get the whole, you know, whole good overview of that person. And in, so if I took that group of people gave them a baseline test and then put them on a good diet, took sugar out of the diet, as uh, you know, simple carbs out of the diet, taught them how to eat over a period of time, and then retested them every six weeks, would it show that, first of all, that their B-skinny to fat bacteria was out of ratio, number one, on a baseline, but would it show that after six weeks of a good diet, taking sugar out of the diet, adding in some extra fiber, adding in some, some probiotics, could that change the microflora of the gut? And would they lose weight? I mean, that was the key. I mean, would they lose weight? So that's where I started from. And I took a group. I had about 12 people. And I will tell you that I had some very challenging people because um, it wasn't people within 
you know, I didn't go to the health food store and get the people. So it was people who, some who had an idea of uh, of a healthy lifestyle, but it was also people who um, went through a drive through three times a day and had absolutely, they didn't know what kale was or quinoa. So the well, education- Those are also going to be your people who struggle most with weight problems. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to teach them a lot, Donna, of the same teachings that you teach. I wanted to teach them not only, this is not just about taking a probiotic or fiber. I wanted them to understand fermented foods. I wanted them to understand, um, you know, what looking at food differently, looking at food from, you know, um, I think when you live a lifestyle of everything has to be convenient and you're going through a drive through it's, it's such a change in the awareness of an individual to start seeing all the other options that are out there. So I met with this group every single week, and every single week we had a different class. You know, I taught them, um, you know, first of all, you know, keeping, um, the, getting the sugar out. And I w- didn't want them to crave sugar, Donna, because that's when they start craving sugar, that can sabotage their program. So I started working with them, making sure they had good quality protein, um, that they were um, eating enough vegetables every day. I taught a class on fermenting foods and actually came to your house and and you did a little video with me that I'll, you know, have out on a, a soon on a fermentation class and, and showing people because you've been doing this for years. That on was how to, fun. Yeah, well, you had a great film crew that day. I remember yeah. that very well. That was and, a great and being day. and showing people how simple it is. I mean, this is not hard. And so the eating of the fermented foods was very important. And I want to clarify kefir and, and, and good quality yogurt without sugar in it is one form of fermented foods. But the, the form that I really wanted to, I guess, imprint on their brain was eating fermented vegetables because that just added Donna to that vegetable content every day. Mm-hmm. Well, they, you're, you're also getting fiber as well as bacteria and you're getting food for them and so many things are coming. I, I have also decided after you know years of teaching people about fermented foods that if you ask me to rate them and which which are the most important, I would put um, the cultured vegetables at the top of the list. They provide so much to the gut. And I would also put the fermented coconut water in there too because it's such a powerful cleanser. We've had such great results with both of those with the autistic kids. As you know, we've both spoken mm-hmm. at Autism One and other places like that too. So um, we know the um, huge importance of introducing this early in life to children to prevent or reverse, you know, early signs of autism? I think, Donna, we have a little bit of ways to go with um, getting the average or, you know, getting people to know the simplicity of fermenting vegetables and how simple it is. I, I still don't think we're there yet. I think it's coming. I think, I really think the next shift, like we've seen paleo and, you know, all these movements happen and in in the last years that that have been very pretty successful but i really think the new movement will be fermented foods in the form of vegetables and of course you've been a pioneer in that movement and i think that if we can i don't know impact people on how simple it is you know mm, yeah, it I, is simple. I, yeah and I also was, when you do it if you take a sunday afternoon and get a friend or two and make it fun You've got them for months. I mean, they'll last. I, I like for people to eat them up in six weeks or two months or something, but the, you don't have to make them every 
day or every week. You know, they stay for a while. But, you know, we, um, I 100% agree with you on that. That's been my vision all along is to see them everywhere in schools, for example. But um, one of the things that, interesting, I've always thought about our path together, our friendship for over all these 20 years and the different directions we've gone so that we can, you know, between the two of us, we've made a very strong statement out in the world. And we both started off, you know, with a, like for me, weight really wasn't a problem for some reason. I, I, I've had my genes done and I actually should be obese, but I, I'm not. And, but the thing that, um, you know, I took all those antibiotics from about mm-hmm. for every yep. day, practically. I took one from the age of 15 to the age of 30 something. <laughs> and uh, except for if, if I was pregnant or nursing, I didn't, but Otherwise, my skin would break out because, you know, I had unknowingly that was a side effect of or a symptom of having candidiasis. Then I met Dr. Crook. We both met him, and yep. we learned about candidiasis and all. And, but um, you also had a lot of antibiotics, and probably this is the two things that put us on this path, don't you think? And so so antibiotics, Do you, would you say that, that the obesity epidemic is – coming just from antibiotic use or antibiotic no use I don't think I don't or? think it's I don't think it's coming just from that I think mm-hmm. that is a big factor uh, in my antibiotic use started very very early in life as a, as a child I I don't know my mother thought that I I, I never wanted <laughs> it sounds weird I never wanted to drink milk after I was breastfed so my mother had this idea that I was really unhealthy so mm-hmm. um, every time I stubbed my toe I, I got antibiotics and so uh, I mean I can remember in seriously in elementary school in fifth and sixth grade being sent to the hospital for migraine headaches I mean that's when it started for me so I, I think yes antibiotics is played a huge part in this in this issue of uh, of disrupting the, the the flora of the digestive tract, and I think that for me, I think for you, um, I didn't know that. I had no idea about that. I was well into my thirties before I ever started anything natural. Well, and, you know, uh, babies today uh, because they t- are automatically testing every woman when she's pregnant for group B strep, and a lot of women because they don't have a lot of healthy bacteria in their vagina. They will. It'll show up that there is a group B strep in there, and it's not pathogenic at that point. It's a potential pathogen, but certainly there are others in there that are potentially pathogenic too. Nevertheless, they start the mother the minute she goes into labor on IV antibiotics. So both she and the baby are slammed with a huge amount of antibiotics. The baby since the beginning of life. So I know it's playing a role. Then, then what comes from that is candida. In uh, autism, even. So. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing, Donna, if you look at, okay, so let's look the other thing that affects the footprint, and that's the cesarean births. And if you look at cesarean birth in the U.S., it's 32%. 32% of the births are cesarean. So mm-hmm. 33% of the population is obese. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if you look and start correlating some of these things. Now, all cesarean births are not absolutely necessary, you know that mm-hmm. some of them, oh, no. some Absolutely. of them, but, and if you elective. look in, yeah, they're elective. And if you look in Europe and I don't know, don't quote me on this, but it's either France or Italy. It's 80% the 80%. cesarean birth, oh, cesarean no, birth. Oh, you're kidding. When I was doing the research for the book, I was shocked, that, that but is. still that's part of what's affecting this microbial footprint. And look at it, Donna, what's ha- what happens with cesarean. The mother automatically goes on antibiotics. The baby doesn't make the microbial footprint. Their bacteria comes from the mother's skin, from the environment in the hospital. And they never really gather that good digestive 
And, you know, I, I, I think, Donna, too, what you hit on is true. I think we typically think that when a child goes through the birth canal that, yes, it's bathed in the good bacteria for the digestive tract and colonizes, but there's so many women out there even having a traditional birth, Donna, that aren't healthy in their vaginal tract. Well, no, absolutely. Um, I even heard a study uh, long ago, I think it was Cornell or one of the those one of the universities in New York that somewhere that starts with a C, they took a thousand women, young girls in college, and they were shocked to learn when they did a little swab of you know their vaginal tissue and all that that they that eighty percent of them had a really wrong. They actually had an infection, but what shocked them most of all was the girls didn't know they did. So now those girls are going to go on and get pregnant. Um, I I think too that. Um, one of my absolutely top of the list favorite supplements that I have been telling so many people about in the last year or so is Flora Baby. Because yes. that's your product, mm-hmm. Renew Life Flora Baby. And I know it's, to me, it's not for babies. So constantly people come up to me. It just happened last week and I was at the Bulletproof Exec Conference speaking and out in the hall, a bunch of people were asking me questions and this. One young woman at the very end, after everyone left, was literally in tears. I felt so badly for her. She had mm. done everything she could. And you know what I had her do? As I told her to start all over again, like as if she were a brand-new baby, and take some uh, floor baby, a big uh, teaspoon of it, and put it in a glass, a, bo- a bottle you know, of water and drink that all day long and stop eating. And I even um, suggested that she get some raw goat milk kefir. Well, get mm-hmm. goat milk kefir. She's traveling. She was from another country. And um, and dilute that with product we make called Energy Biotic and mm-hmm. put those two together and, and, and literally fast on that for one, two, or three days. Then she had to get on a plane on Tuesday, and she, you know, obviously couldn't take anything with her but to take some Energy Biotic and the floor baby with her in her checked bag so she could keep um, – you know, put, keeping those in their diet. But those, I've just got this new thing I'm playing around with now. It seems to be working very well where I'm literally, go, you know, copying nature. That's what nature does. So so, so what's in Flora Baby? And, what's, and, and here's the other thing I want to throw in that have you comment on is that it absolutely shocks me that when you go to the health food store right out here in Savvy, California, all the baby foods are fruit and that means they have a lot of sugar and that's playing a factor too. So healthy isn't necessarily healthy. So can you comment mm-hmm. on the, you know, I, I, this is not just about babies, folks. I know you're thinking, well, this isn't about me. I'm not going to have a baby. This is about you. Yes. Flora Baby is a, um, is a, is a, it's a powdered probiotic, of course, that um, we developed for infants. And, but a lot of the strains that are in the um, Flora Baby are are bifido and lacto, which are in, uh, also in adults. Now, the the wonderful thing about Flora Baby, which we knew nothing about, was they did a study at the hospital in Montreal with Flora Baby and preemies, and found the and how they even found new Flora Baby. We have no idea. We did nothing to support it. You know what I mean? But the study came out and found that these preemie babies uh, that, that, that um, generally developed a certain condition um, did not develop it if they were on Flora Baby. Now, it is a powder, and it's really, um, it's, you know, each, each culture, each serving culture is about 4 billion cultures, but it contains five strains, 
and it's got the uh, bifido infantis in us. Now, infantis in it. You, originally, Donna, years and years ago, I had a we had a probiotic with bifido infantis in it, and you know the stores would always say, "Well, why do you put bifido infantis in that product? Because you know in, that particular strain goes away when you become an adult." Well, then later on down the road, years later, they find find out it's really good for IBS. <laughs> so, mm. you know, you end up, and we, we, we tend to, like, want to take this microflora and make, you know, like, well, this happens and this happens and this happens. But it's an ever-changing environment, as you know. And, and the flora baby is... Uh, a, an, a wonderful product because you can put it in, you know, a, a, a liquid water actually would be best and it doesn't have a bad taste. Actually, that's what my no. grandchildren drink all day long. Mm-hmm. My, oh, my daughter, that my daughter just puts it. I have a five-year-old and a, and a two-year-old and they just put it in their water in their little sippy cups and that's what they drink all day long. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a wonderful formula. And for a mother, who is breastfeeding, to put that on, you know, the breast area for the baby, especially if that's been a cesarean birth, is is very important. But it was really nice to see um, a hospital do a study on this and us know nothing about it. <laughs> and yeah. it become very positive. Well, you know, when you're talking about the bacteroidetes, you know, the the, the good guys and the yeah. firmicutes, the, the fat ones, Right. Uh, you know, people, they go brain dead when you say words like that. Well, I know. What, what, give me an example. Bifidus is an example of one of the good guys, one of the B guys. Yep. So, the B skinny. Um, Bifidus mm-hmm. is good. Um, and we have more bifidobacteria in our, di- in our digestive tract than we do lacto. Ten times more, actually, because it's mm-hmm. the main friendly bacteria for the colon. And bifido, and what people don't run under maybe don't understand is like I talk about the 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 bacteroidetes or the B skinny bacteria and the fat bacteria, but it's all about balance. And mm-hmm. bifido mm-hmm. and lacto help balance the B skinny and the fat bacteria as well as anything else. So you want when you're trying to balance it, when I was working with these people and I begin, okay, so let's say I did a baseline test on them, Donna, and they they had a high level of fat bacteria, low level of the B skinny bacteria in their adiposity bacteria. But when when you looked up at their bifido and lacto, they were very low in those also. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So once, even if you upped and got their, their lacto and bifido higher due to eating fermented foods or taking a probiotic, then that began to balance that adiposity bacteria. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and besides just the um, gut needing the bifidus, it's also the, the primary important bacteria that needs to be in the birth canal when a woman is going to have the baby and the baby passes through. And if that doesn't happen because she does have a C-section, you can give it to the baby as soon as they're born. You know, Absolutely. You, you know, there's this belief like, well, they just get milk, don't they? And I say, no, they can have, <laughs> we give our babies dropper fulls of the coconut kefir right after they're born, literally right after the same day. And the same thing with the um, flora baby. So, so and and, get... and, ter- and using the coconut kefir. So so explain to people kind of how easy it is to ferment ke- coconut kefir. Well, they don't even have to do that anymore. I mean, out here there's a couple of companies that you can just go right in the health food stores and buy young coconut kefir. And then my favorite product is um, 
is called Coco Kefir, which you can order directly online. And I have so busy these days that I only make myself sometimes. And then I do because I like to. But then I'll order it from Coco Kefir. So I have a standing order every month <laughs> and have 12 bottles come from them. But um, they they are all over, many, many. They're everywhere, I think, but California. So you can buy it. But it's so easy to take a starter, put it in a coconut water. You want fresh coconut water from Thailand and it should be warmed ever so slightly. Then you put the bacteria, a packet of bacteria in there. Uh, and for people that are using kefir uh, grains, I could use that too. You have a starter kit that you use, right? Mm-hmm. That, I've had that's it yours. for, yeah, for since years. the beginning of time, yeah. I think. Because, you know, I was the one who created this and I um, started the whole, you know, awareness of, of fermented foods. It's, it's hard to believe, but they're everywhere, but not in the U.S. We had yogurt, only yogurt. But I'd really like to ask your take on dairy at this point in your journey and with all the education you've had. Would Do you think um, dairy is good for you? I think um, what I have found is what I mostly recommend for people was the fermented dairy. Mm-hmm. So kefir and the yogurts. In mm-hmm. terms of milk and things like that, no. Um, I don't mm-hmm. consider those healthy foods. Um, there are some cheeses, as you know, Donna, that are fermented that mm-hmm. probably are pretty good for us. But dairy as a whole, there's a lot of people sensitive to it, as you know, and if, especially if they've got leaky gut. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what I pretty much recommended, and that's why I was saying I was trying to shift people more to the fermented vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, like for Away example, dairy, especially in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. I have mm-hmm. a, a son-in-law. I yeah, I have a son-in-law who, um, you know, we did a the, a little thing with the with the um, what do you call them? The grains, the kefir grains, mm-hmm. and believe grains, and yeah. tell folks they're not grains. They're not grains. No. They're just they're keep they're kefir little gobule things. They look like, like little pieces of cauliflower. Yeah. Cauliflower, right? And you know, he is he does he when he did a sensitivity test, of course, showed very high sensitivity to dairy. And he he said, I never realized that when you looked at kefir, it was ninety nine percent lactose free. But the, I think that my recommendation has been to people is more fermented, not milk and all the processed cheeses. No, I agree with you. And I've been working now lately. You know, once I got into autism, the next sort of step was lots of women started calling me to help them with their babies. Uh, when they were pregnant, so they didn't have an autistic child. And I've actually come to the conclusion that fermented dairy is an excellent food during pregnancy. But I've also, um, I've said for years, every food has a front and back to it. So, you know, there'll be good things about it, but you can find some things that are not going to work. And a couple of things that um, I realized, too, about, uh, well, for me, I I love the taste of, of even milk kefir, which I was teaching people to make, but I couldn't have it myself. Then when I had my genes tested, because for the last two years I've been hot and heavy into nutritional genomics and studying people's genes and, and food and how it hits the you know expresses the the, the genes and it, anyway, what I discovered is that I do not have a problem with lactose. Like I have do not have the gene uh, that many a few people. I don't. I, mean, e- I don't either. You know, so yeah, I, I can, I, yeah, I tested myself too. I don't have it. I don't yeah, have so it we can that. both. Lactose isn't a problem, but the reason I couldn't do the dairy was the fat. I have the genes that don't let me have saturated fat. So right mm. now, there's so much misunderstanding out there. If there's 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 people, you know, just slamming dairy, and so some people actually thrive on it. Fermented is definitely better. 
And then there's a lot of people saying, oh, eat all the butter, fat, and cream. For somebody with my genes, that's devastating. So mm-hmm. if I go with low fat, so now, you know, I get my own raw goat milk. I wait. I take, I take the little fat that goes up to the top off and give it to my little dog who loves it. Mm-hmm. And then I ferment it so it doesn't have as much fat in it and it's raw and it's fermented. Then my body thrives on it and it builds muscle. So that's one of the positive things that milk can do is build muscle. And then I enrich it with Flora baby. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I don't know what it is with me, but even though I don't, I didn't ha- test the genes for sensitivity, I don't love, I, I, I don't know why. I don't love, I don't like the smell of dairy. And it's just, it's just, I don't know what it was. It was, you know, I, like I said earlier, my mom thought that that was, that I was the strangest weird thing on the planet as a young child, because the minute I smelled milk, I wanted to really throw up. I, I just mm. never have loved it. Now, I'll eat fermented yogurt sometimes, but, you know, I don't love it. We've been making some kefir cream with stevia and things like that, which is really tasty and I, I've actually enjoyed. And, of course, you know, when you're working with people with weight loss and losing weight, you've got to give them some treats. You know, we, we mm-hmm. wanted to, to take the, and I have a lady here that works with me. She's been so wonderful at making this kefir um, ice cream with stevia and, um, and lemon, like a lemon one, a cherry one, and putting a little bit, sometimes a dark chocolate in it. It's just, it's delicious. I'm not, it really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Oh, I but imagine. I don't, and I don't know what it is about me, but I just, I, I've never, I don't know why. But and I don't have a problem with it. But I I couldn't drink a glass of milk or a glass of goat milk if if you were, had a gun to my head. Probably, well, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you should always trust your intuition. Um, and I always wanted to have it. And now that I can, I really actually. <laughs> but you know, I don't. I don't drink. I over in Russia where they drink a lot of it in Poland. They usually dilute it with water, and I dilute mine with coconut. Uh, coconut kefir or cocoa biotic or energy biotics i don't drink it straight and it really it's perfect for my body now but you know so getting back to the book or bacteria in the gut anyway antibiotics we know are really bad and they've definitely contributed to the obesity problem as well as many other problems and candida of course um what else is in there killing the bacteria and throwing off the balance as you mentioned because it is about balance Okay, the other things are, of course, the toxins in the environment like pesticides, chlorine in the water, um, those types of things. And that's the hardest concept, I think, to get across to people um, when we look at toxins because I don't think they see them, Donna, and I don't think they really realize. I, I just actually was at the IHS with Dr. Smith, actually, two weekend before last, or maybe it was last weekend, I don't remember, but... Jeffrey Bland was speaking about that, and he was like saying, you know, if people don't think they don't need to detoxify, they do. And it's, it's more than just like, you know, detoxifying by drinking a juice. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so the point being is, yeah, the, the point being is there's a ton of pesticides. Years ago, Donna, when I wrote Detox Strategy in 2000, I think in eight, and the Environmental Working Group said, you know, they tested the urine and, um, a saliva of Americans across the country and everybody had 80 or 90 toxins and floating around in their, you know, bloodstream. And so I think that has a big impact on the, the microbial, um, uh, footprint. Also, I think people taking acid blocking medications, that's, do you know how many people take those medications? A lot. 
And so those types of proton pump inhibitors disrupt the whole balance of gut flora. Um, that's another huge problem. And stress, and most people don't realize because serotonin is produced in the gut, that stress and being mindful and having um, you know, some way of managing stress, whether it's through exercise, meditation, or whatever you want to do, is a big disruptor of gut flora. And now, now that's a big deal. It's more than obesity. It's also very much about gut brain and, mm-hmm. and depression and mood, which we're looking at all the people that are on uh, antidepressants, for example. And right. So, so um, could you talk about that, the gut brain? Because you talk about that in the book, the gut brain connection. Yes. Um, I interviewed um, Dr. Emeryn Mayer who is a, um, interestingly enough, a GI doctor and a neurologist. <laughs> so he has both ends of the spectrum. Mm. Yeah, good for him. And he's a scientist at UCLA. And he, um, and I'll give you an example. He took a group of women and divided them into two groups. And one group he gave probiotics to, 12, 12 to 14 women, and the other's placebo. And then he he imaged their brain and did an MRI on their brain as he was showing them uh, pictures that would create anxiety. And he found that the women who had had the probiotic did not react to the pictures like the women who did not. Now, that's the, he's going to be one of the first, I think, I guess you could say pioneers to come forth. And he didn't even really want to study this. He was just approached by a a, um, uh, a yogurt company to do this. And he thought, well, what the heck, I'll do it. And then when he imaged the brain, he found out that the areas of the brain that produce depression and anxiety were not um, on fire uh, in the women who had had the probiotic. Mm. So we are now seeing, and I will tell you, that it, I had one example of that, Donna, with one of the girls in my group, one of the ladies in my group. She's probably 57. And when she started, um, she lived, uh, and I don't even know what she was taking because I've never heard of this, but she bought some type of nausea medication from the pharmacy over the counter. And so she had nausea every night and she was just not really that happy. But by the end of the third or fourth month of working with her, her mood, she became, she actually started exercising and became outgoing and happy. Happy. And I saw firsthand that once, and when we looked at her balance of gut bacteria in her later testing, because remember I tested them every six weeks, we saw her coming back into balance, and then we saw tremendous changes in her mood. And, you know, she actually became happy. She went out. She she was so funny. She said, Brenda, I went out and actually bought a bathing suit and took a picture of myself in it. I would have never done that before. Mm. Um, so I think that we're going to see more studies about the the gut brain connection, and then actually, I watched uh, the I, I was at IHS and Dr. Perlmutter did a great presentation uh, down there on the gut brain connection, and it was fantastic on showing animal studies where you know they had um, animals uh, mice actually with disrupted bowel. Um, flora, how they didn't interact with each other. They kind of stayed separated in the cage and ran around. And then the ones that were balanced, how they nudged and loved each other. It was really an amazing video. 
Wow. Well, um, yeah, that's, well, now you've got in the book two different phases. There's the get lean phase and the stay lean phase. What, what's the difference between those two phases? Well, there's adding more of the complex carbs back in to the stay lean. Ah, no, wait, so, wait, wait so, a second. Why would you add carbs? Because, you know, paleo is really hot and they're into fat and they're into no carbs and no dairy. Some more, because in other words, um, what happens after they reach their goal weight, if they wanted to have, like, um, um, let's say they wanted to have um, some more, some hummus, or they wanted to have black beans, or they wanted to have some more of those complex carbs, then they're allowed that to add, start adding that back into their diet if they want to. Now, typically, I've stayed away from grains. As you well know, I'm not a grain person. So I don't advocate that even in this in the stay lean phase. But, you know, I can't restrict if people want to have some beans, Donna, and they're not totally bought into the, the paleo program, then that's what I suggested. And they do, the way they do that is they just add it in the teaspoons of sugar because I count carbs as sugar into the teaspoons of sugar that they're adding into their day. So it's not totally a paleo type. I'm not totally paleo. No, no. Well, well, I just think that's one of the mistakes that people, they just don't know that, you know, if you're paleo, you can also get in trouble because you do need to have some complex carbs in your diet. The thyroid and adrenals need them, but the gut bacteria especially need them to make the butyric acid and to have the fiber. On body ecology for years, I've been saying 80% plant-based, you know, vegetables and so on. And then uh, then we have grain-like seeds, quinoa and millet, not rice and weed and exactly. flour products and exactly. all. Exactly. That's the same fiber. So can we talk just a second about the fiber? Because fiber is very important in the, uh, for the little guys down there. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the things I did in order to get their fiber levels up was I had a class one night on doing blended green drinks. And so meaning that, and, and you know, you said something earlier in the show, that's very, very true. You can go into any health food store today and think you're buying a green juice drink that's had all the fiber taken out of it. And it's really sugar. So, but I mean, everything in there isn't healthy. I wanted them to have green drinks or good juice drinks that had the fiber left in them. So mm-hmm. I got everyone a blend tech because it was inexpensive and it was small and they could all use it. And so I had a class where I took, um, you know, I said, here's the thing, you know, you can take, you can, you can, you can put 5,000 carrots in here if you want to, or beets, which aren't bad, but you don't want an overabundance of them. They're heavy in sugar. So I was, I taught them like, uh, one of my favorite juices is, uh, you know, a, a cucumber with uh, celery, handful of, uh, uh, of kale, handful of spinach, some parsley, cause you know, it's a good diuretic. Um, and then a little, like a third of a lemon and then a, a half of a granny Smith apple, which is a really good prebiotic. And so I taught them how to do blended green drinks or blended juices, whatever you want to call them, without without taking the fiber out of them. So that I I taught them that so that they could boost that fiber content every day because it's hard to get 25 to 35 grams of fiber. It's hard for me to get it in food. The other thing that I did with them is to make sure they had enough of the prebiotic is I did let them... I did want them to take the um, soluble fiber every day, at least twice a day. And that we, of course, use the acacia fiber 
And uh, a lot, a couple of them didn't like it. I mean, like I said, I didn't have health food people here. Um, but um, I found, we, we actually developed one that we put a little bit of um, fruit fiber in it. Not fruit juice, but fruit fiber. And they liked that better. So anyway, I got the, got the soluble fiber in them, which is the prebiotic, feeding the good bacteria to get their count up. So other than, you know, and you're right, if you, you want to make sure that the diet is about, you know, 70 to 80 percent in li- live living fruits, vegetables, and then, you know, some small amounts of protein, um, you know, two, three, four ounces, Mm-hmm. And that's how I did it. And one of the ways I did getting the fiber up was, and you know what? The the lady who actually was the junk food junkie loved the blended green drinks. She said, I'm doing those every morning for the rest of my life. Oh, that's great. And did you, um, do you feel like the support that you gave them was absolutely essential? I mean, can somebody buy the book and not have you for six weeks in a row? <laughs> Well, no, absolutely, absolutely, because I learned so much from them, and I have so many tools in the book. Mm-hmm. Plus, Great you know, recipes, yummy yeah, recipes. We've got, yeah, we've got the website now where we're inter, where we we're the skinnygutdiet.com where we're interacting. Each of the people who were in the program with me will have their own page, and each person, Donna, was individual and had their own hang-ups. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Their own struggles, mm-hmm. like you know, menopausal. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, that, whatever. that's so perfect that you said that because I've also been teaching the six, seven principles and one of them is the principle of uniqueness. There is not just one way for everybody. And, of course, you no. know that. And, and, and did so, they do colonics during that time? I, I, I suggested that, um, they, that they do colonics. Some of them did, those that wanted to. Some of them couldn't confront that, but that was okay. But I will tell you one of the successes that I really, really feel good about. Um, one of the gentlemen uh, in the group weighed in at 285. That's a lot of weight, and he was about, about six foot tall, and he, but he was determined. And I didn't know Donna until about three weeks of meeting with him. He said to me one night at, at the meeting, he said, you know, Brent, I've never had a normal bowel movement. And I went, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I've only had my adult life loose diarrhea. I said, really? Mm. So I was like really determined with him because when I looked at his bacterial stool analysis, I thought, well, he does have a potentially pathogenic organism, but it's not, it's still in that, you know, mm, it's not over in that range yet. So I began to up his level of probiotics, and I added another scoop of fiber for him. And then the next week, Donna, he came to me. He said, I had a normal elimination for the first time in my life this week. Wow. So the, the, the key, because constipation is huge, so the key is mm-hmm. fiber, mm-hmm. flora, I mean bacteria, and that's where right. the flora baby comes in especially because actually bifidus from everything I've researched, bifidus is a key, key bacteria for having a healthy bowel movement. So mm-hmm. fiber, which you get from lots of vegetables, um, the flora baby and, and the good right balance of bacteria, but plenty of bifidus and, um, Water, exercise, would you say those are the key ones for having a bowel movement? Let me just say something about exercise. Like, for example, I had one, two, young girls that were in their early 30s and they went to four spin classes a week and both were 40 pounds overweight okay obviously something was wrong and for those people who had exercise as part of their 
you know, it was part of their thing. You know what I mean? They had it worked into their lifestyle. I said, keep doing it. But for people who had never exercised until they got the diet under control, I didn't want them doing it. It's just too overwhelming to try to fit all that in there when they're changing their diet. So I said, you know what? Wait until you feel like you've got the diet, you've lost a few pounds, you get a little bit more energy, then start doing some exercise. But I feel sometimes, Donna, like, you know, people at the first of the year, they go on this, you know, join the gym, change the diet, and it doesn't last. Well, again, uh, you know, you could probably write a whole chapter in the book just on, and you probably haven't said it throughout the book in many ways, that if you go back to uh, Dr. Imran Meyer's study at UCLA there, the gut bacteria guide the workings of our minds. So, you know, some people don't even have the desire to get out and walk or exercise or do anything. I, I mean, even walking is exactly. fantastic for, for the body, you know, getting you to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Well, gosh, we're already out of time, and, uh, you know, you and I could talk forever on this subject. But I just want people to know that this is a very special book. Um, There is a lot of, you know, information out there there on, on, on the gut, but this is practical information. This will change your life, and with the holidays coming up, it's um, a great gift gift book. Um, But, Brenda, tell about the PBS special. Because I love it when you get on there and you talk about, you know, this is a great time to do this when I think it's going to be your most popular one ever. Um, It starts the day after Thanksgiving on Friday. Like I said, you can go to your um, PBS, um, local PBS station, look up on the finder and find out when uh, it's called uh, Skinny Gut Vibrant Health. It's not the Skinny Gut Diet. I actually put the diet piece on there uh, from a little bit of pressure from my publisher. I wanted to put the skinny gut life. Um, I didn't want it to be mm-hmm, a diet mm-hmm, per mm-hmm, se, mm-hmm. Donna, but you know how mm-hmm. it is. You kind of get a little pressure. Yeah, they, they always have so, a diet anyway, book at the top of the New York Times. Yeah, exactly. So it's skinny gut, vibrant life. Look, look for it right after the Thanksgiving holiday. And, and, um, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, I know that you will put a huge amount of work into it and it's been years in the making, not just, um, the writing of it and pulling it all together, but just the fact that there hasn't been a book, um, I mean, this kind of research, you, you had to wait for the research to be there to prove that, that the balance of the gut, the microbiome in the gut is hugely contributing to the weight problem. And it's so connected as people really study the gut. It's connected to everything, healthy hormones. You can focus on the weight loss peace, but you'll become happier. You'll have better hormone balance. Mm-hmm. Everything works better when your gut works. That's, that's right. Where health begins is in the gut. So that's it's right. a great book, easy to read, delicious recipes. I love the recipes a lot, even the ice cream recipes in there. <laughs> so um, please, everybody, check it out and consider it strongly as a gift for the holidays. I'd like to thank my guest. Brenda, thank you for being who you are and all the years of hard work because I used to look at you 20 years ago and think, oh, my God, you would go to every little health food store. If there were six or 16 people there, there you were beginning to teach them how to be healthy. And I knew sometimes you were tired. I remember one time when you and Stan packed up the two little dogs and got in the car, (laughs) started a tour across the country. And I thought, wow, she really cares and is very hell-bent on giving people a healthy gut. And um, so... You've been at it for a long time, so thank you very, very much for that, too. And thank you, Donna, for all your work. I love you dearly, and we'll talk soon. 
Thank you for listening, everyone, and for subscribing to Body Ecology Living with me, Donna Gates. Let's work together to make this a happier, healthier world.